Well, hello everybody. It's uh, myself and Dale. We're sat in Huntingdon Beach today. We're uh, we're at a car lot actually, overlooking the sand. It's nice and quiet because it's winter, and even though it's December, it's still uh, blue skies and very nice here. It's, uh, and we're getting together today to talk about the uh, second annual Hall of Fame prize giving. Yes, you were indeed, Paul. Um... Lots to talk about. I guess not lots to talk about. I just thought we'd maybe cruise through some of the event. You yeah, can give me yeah. your perspective from watching the videos and, and watching it on social media and stuff and I, I what you think, I, you know? I think, I, well, I think I've said it before. I don't get homesick that much, uh, but I would have loved to have been there. It's, uh, well, your voice was there. Yeah. Tell I, us about that. What do you think well, about I, that? I, yeah. It is cool. And a lot of yeah. people, a lot of people mentioned it like to me uh, and the t-shirt as well. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So I did, I did the voiceovers for the winners. So I knew in advance as well who'd won, which was. Uh, Did you talk to Neil? Uh, no, okay. no, not 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 fully about it. I, but I, uh, yeah, so I did the voiceovers and I knew beforehand, but I, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I kind of inquired to make sure that a couple of people were going to be there mm -hmm. uh, who were winning awards. Um, I think if I'd been in England, I would have probably. I, I don't know how I would have done it if. But I think I would have tried really hard to get uh, to get Jerry Galley to, to go as soon as I mm -hmm. I knew that he won beforehand. I wish someone in England had. Uh, but I mean, I, he may well have been asked. He may well have been asked if he wanted to go. And, yeah, we tried. Neil tried to talk to one of his friends, and I guess it was it, it was debating maybe coming. But yeah, I, the, ju I, I think yeah. I just think if 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 maybe some of Jerry's real close riding buddies from back in the day or. You know his friends from back then. If if some because it, it's you know the fact that he was the second freestyler voted in. If you after Jamie, mm -hmm. you know that's that that tells you so much about you know how he was uh, how he was rated. Um, you know that would it would have been nice if he'd been there. It's uh, I mean I would have liked to have been there because you know especially like two for me like Pete Middleton and Scott Dick uh, winning awards. You know I've you know I've said before Pete Middleton was just like. That was he was it. always your favourite guy, wasn't yeah, he? Like yeah, like out of out of all the pros, he was the he was the dude that I looked up to. I didn't really have any affiliation with uh, with March or Ruffle. They didn't, you know, I didn't feel anything like fan wise, kid wise. But but no. Pete Middleton, I just I like you know everything like the style and it's. Uh, you told me you was you was watching the videos and you and and I um I didn't know till till obviously the night and seeing the videos and stuff. Um, you really like that part where he was saying he actually quit for a while, which we didn't know. Yeah, it's uh, after Brockwell Park, right? Yeah, he 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 said during, I think, and he also even referred to it when he was the uh, guest presenter for uh, Andy Ruffles Ruffle. Award. Yeah, uh, he told the same story that he he won that first ever race over. He did well. He was sponsored by Ace, mm -hmm. and then he was almost thinking about walking away. And uh, and Ruffle went and knocked on his door and uh, literally at his house, right? Yeah, went went and knocked on his door and asked him to uh, to come back and ride for Mongoose. So it's uh, you know, regardless of what you think of Ruffle, like that's a you know, that's an amazing amazing story when you think about yeah. how how big he was and you know he was he was one of the. You know, if you had to name like a gate of eight of those first pros, he makes that final. Every I mean, he time. won the first one. He makes that final every time, man. It's, oh yeah. Uh, you know, even even when people are talking about Tim and Andy and and Big Trev and Geth, he was in the mix in 
all of them. Yeah, yeah. And and, and like I've referenced before, like the, just the way he looked and the way his bike was, like a bunch of us younger kids, like and his teammates, like looked up to that and like saw that. Like mm-hmm. you know, you don't. I've said before, it's uh, like Dylan's first real mentor, probably in that way was Pete Mudder. Mm-hmm. And that's why you end up with Dylan having the most stylish, most factory look. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, that's, you know, it comes from that. And that's, that's a Pete Mudder thing. But so it was, it was, it was cool to see him, uh, to see him win that. And, and funny saying at the beginning of his speech, when the Pioneer Award got given to, uh, Alan Woods the year yeah, before. the year before. And he was like, oh man, maybe I'm not going to get in there. Like, and it, it's, it's crazy because knowing the ins and outs of it, it was super close between him and Alan for the first, for the first year. And mm-hmm. it was that number one plate that just, just swung it for Alan. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was awesome. And the other thing with him is, uh, the end of his speech, you know, he's, uh, in the same way as a lot of us, you know, he dedicated the award to his dad, which is, you know, for most of us, our mums and our dads just dragging us around up and down the country and taking us to all them places over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't get that. You don't get our stories without that. You know? No, we took it for granted. So yeah, I, 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 um, you know, it was awesome. And obviously Scott Dick, having known Scott for for so long, um, and then having known Alex and Ryan since they were born, um, so awesome to see that. You know, Scott always. Never like I never felt like Scott was talking down to me like an adult. Like I always felt like he was talking to me as you know on, as equals or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I just the fact that he won the Lifetime Achievement Award and like it's the David Moore Award and he was the second person to mm-hmm. to win it. That's dude, that's so awesome. When you when you think about you know all of those people, his own kids, but Trish, Stevie Dolan at the beginning, he used to take all them kids racing all the time. Mm-hmm. He used to have that video night at Westway. I just saw that. I just saw that picture. That yeah, yeah. Is so Did you ever go cool. to that? No, I, I don't know if we went once or not. I have a you very, raced at Westway though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we went and raced, and I, uh, I mean, me and Dean raced there right at the end, like maybe one of their last ever actual races there when they're the six man gate, and uh, we raced against. Errol and Winnie. I don't know if Arnold was still racing then, and I'm not sure if Frankie was there or Who not. Who won? Dean won. And he I passed got, them on them turns. Dean won, and I got second. Oh really? Yeah. You guys were using the turns. I th- I just I don't know. I think we'd gone up there with a mission to to race it like proper race it. Because they, they were they, kind of fully blown men in your eyes, probably at the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Winnie and Errol were bigger than us. They were like Winnie Frankie was the age group yeah. above me. Errol was would have been two or three years above me, and so was Frankie. Um, I, I think I've said before, like Arnold, Arnold was like even older than them two. He was seventeen plus even before I started racing. Like when I would have been twelve, so he would have been five, six years older than us. But he was maybe the first, like what I thought of at the time as a fully grown adult man who looked cool as fuck on his bike. He quit really early, then didn't he? Yeah, pretty early. He he'd stopped. Uh, he'd stopped before before Rainbow before Rainbow Racing and stuff like that, he rode a GT, he had a, he wore a GT jersey mm-hmm. all the time. That's in the picture, right? I remember, yeah, I yeah. remember him wearing GT jerseys, like just hanging out at Alpine Action. But he was the first like fully grown adult that I looked at and was like, oh, you can, you can do that. You can be a fully grown adult man and still, yeah. be, still be cool as shit, you know? Um, but yeah, I, uh, 
we raced them at Westway and Deep Dean one and I got second but like I said I think we went there like got to beat them at Westway got to beat them yeah yeah beat the locals but we rode there that day we would have rode down the A40 and uh, <laughs> or rode down the canal there's two ways to get into into central London I only ever went there once oh mate and I think it was already it was definitely done racing Geth was van driving or something for a while so he'd have only been about 16, 17 he just passed his test and I'd have been 13 <sighs> 12 or 13, I think we took the day off school. I'm sure my sister was there as well. And I remember he was delivering something in London. So and we so we went to West. Yeah. It was raining, but it was hard to get around the track because uh, the dirt, the jumps were concrete, right? Yeah. And there was like a gap where the rain had kind of, so yeah, there was no transition yeah. over the jumps. So it wasn't that fun. But oh, yeah, it was the only time I really went. The other thing that yeah. I thought was indescribably cool about that place was the mural. Yeah, I don't know if the mural was still there when you I don't know, there. but I've seen it in pictures, obviously. So if yeah. you imagine, yeah. if, for those of you who never went to the old Westway track, it, it's on the uh, the junction of like the M41, which was a little stretch of, tiny stretch of motorway that gets you down from Shepherd's Bush down to the bottom of Notting Hill, and it's underneath, you can see it, and that's that's the reason a lot of people know it, because you, if you turn right to go down there at the M41 off the A40, you see it on your left. Um, but next to it, the, the bill, like the, the motorway that went over it, the wall was massive mm -hmm. uh, and it had a mural which was spray painted but it was all the dudes from that track mm -hmm. like like i think even some of them were named on their race shirts mm -hmm. like winston was there errol was there uh, arnold was there like i mean how i wonder who did that uh, scott dick that would be a, that would be a question for probably probably for scott dick to, yeah to answer i uh, i mean i i used to uh, i used to love going into london and seeing them dudes because it was like you know i'm sure everybody looked at me as being like from london mm -hmm. but like i was from you know 10 miles 12 miles maybe from the center of london whereas winnie and errol they lived right near notting hill which mm -hmm. is where bobby and uh, bobby's mum and dad's shop was like right mm. like three miles from dead center london mm -hmm. right in there um so you know we would go there and that was really the first time i got showed some of the areas around London when we went riding and uh, I mean I just you know it, it, it always felt like a little bit of an adventure when we went up there you had to ride past the Wormwood Scrubs which was a massive uh, prison you had to ride oh. past it and it's uh, but yeah we I, I just th those back in the day I mean to have a mural in the centre of London which is all BMX based and they're all in their race jerseys and fucking it's like Dude, it was crazy, man. I've actually put, uh, I know you've seen it, there's a video, I'll put it on the British BMX Hall of Fame YouTube channel. Check it out, people. But if you scroll back a bit before the uh, Hall of Fame stuff, there's actually the clip of Lewis Mears when he won the Worlds. He's on the morning news. Yeah. And they do a little segment on him. So, and you can see the murals in, in the background yeah. there. Yeah, so check that out. It's pretty cool. And there's yeah. like Dean Scott Webb, there's a few of the locals. If you, if, you yeah. haven't, if you haven't had a chance, check the YouTube channel and watch the actual presentation from this year. It's pretty cool seeing some some of those people get those awards. It's uh, you can you can tell it's obviously uh, for a lot of them it's you know decades and decades ago, but they're obviously you know super touched that they're remembered and uh, who else did you like speeches and stuff um, tom lynch obviously your age maybe yeah, hit on him obviously yeah. i'm 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 gonna be biased in a way tom came from the age group of death and was was arguably although it was close because there's a lot of successful people from that age group you know darren mm -hmm. darren had a lot of success leo alexander had a lot of success Stu diggins before tom had a lot of success mm -hmm. but going into superclass tom was the dude that really was 
he had the most <coughs> momentum coming out of 16s. Yeah, he just, 15s, came out of 15s. Yeah, he, and he'd not won number one, but it was because he'd crashed trying to take the lead at a couple of nationals. You know, that was the year that Darren got it, and I remember Teesside National, Tom tried to go inside him. No, I mean, Darren legitimately beat him, but, but Tom was fast enough to get number one. In well, he won the Europeans that year. Dude, he was yeah. fucking, he was rapid. But he was the one who came out and then took the, the superclass number one plates, you know? Two years in a row, yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, obviously, Tom, Tom's story, for those who don't know it, him setting up um, pretty much the first ever unit of paramedics that use mountain bikes to get to their, you know, to get to be first responders there earlier. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy that he would have that, you know, that legacy in racing and mm -hmm. be known so well for everything that he did in racing and then to move on and do something that yeah, yeah. that first yeah yeah i mean when you think of all the cities in the world now that have that it's that's so crazy mm -hmm. it's um and you know tom was you know when you when you hear about some of the stories about the training that people were doing back in the day it's no wonder that those people succeeded you know you hear about what tom was doing you hear about what andy welsh was doing you hear about how hard those people were training. It's no wonder that they ended up mm -hmm. rising to the top, you know, and like, see so your age group, you, how hard Neil was training, you know, maybe a little bit after that, but mm -hmm. Neil was doing crazy weights by the time he turned 16. I mean, the guys class. younger than us was probably Joe Eastwood, Jamie Staff. Jamie Staff. Them guys were pump, Lee Pickston, them guys were on yeah. the weights early, you know. They were, and they were pushing big weights yeah, by the time yeah. they turned super class. So yeah, I mean, Tom Lynch winning it, very cool. Um, and Keith, Keith Dooley winning King of Dirt is, 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 I mean, he really was like, you know, for those who don't remember, there was a parallel when um, Fuzzy, Tim Fuzzy Hall, was on Robinson for a while, In the started US. blowing up, and then he got picked up by Mongoose to be their dirt jumper and single A racer. Mm -hmm. And right around that time, Keith moved on to Mongoose over here. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, there was a parallel where Keith was the best dirt jumper in England at that time. And Fuzzy was like the world, most world famous dirt jumper at that time. Yeah. I mean, they they coincided when uh, Fuzzy came over for the first well, backyard I, jump. I think of it as the first one, but apparently, if you ask people, it was it was the second one. There was one before the year before they didn't have dirt, but the first year that they had dirt and the first year that they had a chasm and all that stuff, uh, Fuzzy came over, and Keith was riding mongoose and Fuzzy was riding mongoose, and so it. Was, and there was uh, a race that weekend as well, right? No, there was a week a race like two weekends after okay that was why i couldn't work out because i didn't go to that first one the very first one where people thought that canning should have won and then fuzzy 360 the chasm at the end and, and supposedly that gave him the win and canning got second um i didn't go to that one mm -hmm. but then uh john die we found footage of me jumping the chasm but i wasn't there <laughs> and it was because there was an actual race at Bexhill okay. a couple of weeks after and that. And you did it then? Yeah. Me and Keith Dooley jumped it. And I think Clive maybe jumped it that day. Yeah. Don't know about Tom if Tom was there. Um, but I jumped it that year. And then... I think Tom did do it, right? Maybe even at the back. I think jump. Tom tried it. I've seen it footage of him, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the next year, the next year was where they built the takeoff at the bottom of the concrete path. Mm -hmm. Like, the that was the crazy year. That was the year that they built Dover here in the winter. And then Chris built that when he went over there and that was just that was the Dave Clymer year no Dave Clymer was this the year after that where you jumped over the over the finishing line from the first straight I went bank. to the Dave Clymer one yeah, yeah, the, yeah the year before that it was an actual proper dirt jump takeoff but you were going so fast it just 
like hitting a Mario square, just boosted you into the air. Mm-hmm. But it was, it it was like a, the the Dave Clammy year was more of a mellow takeoff, so make sure you made the distance. But yeah, they Dooley was uh, Dooley was was like you know UK's fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was probably the the start of the era when he won. I don't know if he won two or three King of Dirt year end titles in a row, mm-hmm. but I think that was the start of the start of that. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, dude, he had so many rad photos as well. I mean, he was the first first one really not not so much with the freestylers, but out of the races, he was the first one really to mess tough with bar spins and get get a hand on them. He was good with three sixties. Like he just he, you know he he was good and super consistent man. Uh, he deserved all all of those King of Dirt wins, and uh, yeah, he he deserved everything that he got. And it, it's so nice that he's still exactly the same, like mm-hmm. mild mannered. Mm-hmm. Like for somebody who's the King of Dirt, you'd expect somebody to be Flash. Yeah, but he was so mellow, so humble and down to earth, like as he still is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and what and what's awesome is that you know you think about it, he still runs jump club. Yeah. Yeah, and they're still, you know, same places. Yeah, still going to the race every weekend. Yeah, is it all yeah, the races? It's, uh, it's awesome. And I and I had some, I you know, I had some battles with Keith on the track as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I very plus. rarely did I beat him in uh, in King of Dirt. I think the only time I ever beat him was if there was two sets and I could three both. Keith sets. was a bit of a cruiser dude as well, wasn't he? Yep, he was good on both. He yeah. was good, especially by the time he got to eighteen plus and he, he filled out and got some power. Mm-hmm. I uh, my best race with. Uh, my best race with Keith was the last national, I think it was the end of, not sure, end of 92 or 93, and the last national was at Slough, and it was it was wet. I don't think it was raining for the mains, but it was it had been raining some of the day, and uh, Keith hole-shotted, which was surprising to me, <laughs> and he went round the outside of the first corner, and I, you know, because I rode at Slough all the time, I went round the inside of the doubles, yeah, jumped on yeah. the inside, it's good moves on that first turn. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I wasn't known for making good moves in national finals, man. But you could you could be in the pack down the first straight and go low, low, jump those doubles yeah, low, yeah, with a side. And it was lovely for me. I'm left foot forward, and it was a right hander, so it was. Yeah. I could do a little. I've got I've got a bunch of nice photos. I've got one photo on my computer. I think you've seen it where, like, it's an open meeting, and it's dude, it's me, Winnie, Indri, <laughs> Joe Eastwood. Mike Bags, like there's somebody like and it's dude Slough. I you know, like Slough and Hounslow and Hayes. We raced that track so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Keith Dooley was uh, was, you know, that strong face on the UK scene all the time. And his magazine photos, like that the that that photograph of him riding Sidley Woods in the snow. Remember that photograph? Yes, yes, yes. I was going through all this stuff, yeah. So iconic, man. It's such a rad photo, dude. And, like, so, you know, Trails was big at that time, but Trails is normally dead in the winter. Yeah. So to see him riding... I think, was he a Banzad with his shoe in in the mud and snow? Yeah. Maybe the same day. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he was good for Vans as well, man. Like, the intro on the video for uh, that chasm that I'm talking about, the one with Chris, is uh, he sat on it. I think, and he 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 says uh, he's talking about Stu Dawkins. He's like, I heard he killed a man once. <laughs> Stood on his vans. Yeah, remember, remember that from uh, from the video. What did but you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, Keith Dooley was. Tell me about was, some of the ladies. Yeah, Luli. 
another person who was yeah. who was super popular on the on the UK scene when she when she raced back in the day. It's um she's another example of just uh she flew in on her own, got in from Australia the day before. Obviously came. Yeah, Great that, night. That's, that's amazing. She even did the raffle. I mean the fact yeah. that she the fact that she lives in Australia and came all the yeah. way out for that is She so stood awesome. on the table at the end and called out the raffle as well. That's <laughs> so, so awesome. <laughs> so cool. I mean she's yeah. an she's an example of natural natural athleticism, mm-hmm. finding BMX at the right time mm-hmm. and just and just being just being flat out fast. Flat out fast. And she was, you know, her her ascension to fame from starting to race Mm-hmm. to crossing the line as world champ you know other people have been racing twice three times as long as that yeah yeah nowhere near she that. was on a wild card even to get into slough yeah that's right yeah, yeah. and, and they she, let her in and yeah. obviously then she, was, she, I mean, won. she was she was so fast and then continuing she was always a threat whenever you were racing yeah i remember the race at slug harem where she uh she's winning with melanie van Dien, oh and she yeah. she, she cased cased the, that uh, step up yeah and that step up was hard to jump right. you had to really be yeah good out even for us it was hard yeah. yeah yeah there was a corner at slug if harem. you went too tight you oh, didn't have the speed to do no, it no it was yeah. a nightmare and that was just the part of the track where you didn't want to case it because you know that somebody behind you is not in a qualifying position has railed that turn yeah they're easily yes. sailing over that step up it was a it was a real good decision maker where mm-hmm. your speed coming out of the turn was important yeah. so you couldn't just block the inside no um but she was racing melanie van Dien, who was one of holland's best raiders there and everybody's screaming but she front and back wheel case that yeah. step up yeah but very very cool like a real a real darling of the english scene especially in internationals because she was competitive straight away and everyone knew that she had a chance to win straight away mm-hmm. it was uh and racing again you know uh, the hall of fame was part of sergey nichols inspired her yeah that's to start right. racing and obviously that's we've right. seen sergey this year uh luli was the same she saw sarah jane doing it and she saw the hall of fame and she, uh kind of inspired her to do it shows you how natural those those yeah. people are and even it's jane windle who won who won as well she's got a bike again and she's talking about doing some racing as well so I don't mind riding around a track. I ain't racing no more. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it was a, it's good. So the the other winners. What about um, Lee Reynolds, give me your thoughts on that. Yep, pretty pretty cool. He was yeah. one of the very first um, guys to come out here. Yeah, and and not only to come out here, but to come out here and obviously be of the standard where the U.S. magazines were taking notice. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was doing well at contests and stuff. I mean, really, that would have been a hard choice because when you think about it. For those people who don't know, we, Craig Campbell should be in the Hall of Fame, but he's uh, he's he he declined to to appear, and he's been going through some stuff in his in his uh, in his private life. So that's that's totally understandable. Craig Campbell would be an instant, similar to Ruffle, he would be an instant, you know, he would be straight into the Hall of Fame regardless of what class or whatever. If ever he decided he wanted to go, he'd go straight in. Um, but Arthur Craig, there's a few people who um, it would have taken them. You know, they were the really the first people who came to America and were noticed by the Americans and the American media. Now, Mike, Mike Canning was another one, mm-hmm. but that was a couple of years after Lee Reynolds. Lee Reynolds was more the life's a beach. But really after Craig, Lee Reynolds was the first rider that came here and was like, oh, you know, we were watching from back in England, mm-hmm. looking at magazines and like, oh, dude, he's over there doing it, you know. He was one of the best vert dudes over here, and he went over and was and was doing well. So, it's you know chronologically, it's probably the the right choice because he was the first dude who was good enough 
after Craig had done it to come here and be of that standard, you know. So I'm, uh, I, and I, th- I think the people who got the freestyle awards is ever so hard. Similar, similar with the, with the racing. Like you look at that first pioneer race for award, how close it was between Alan and Pete, and what a mm-hmm. hard decision that was. You know, in the same way, it's it's so hard to think about who you're going to put in with pioneer freestyle, and when you've got, you know, you've got him, but you've got a couple of people before him who didn't go to America you know you've got the likes of Chris Young and Mike Pardon mm-hmm. um, and those guys and then you've got the people just after him like uh, Mike Cannon who went to America and did well but then stayed riding did circus years like one backyard jams so that's you know there's real close and it's the same with with freestyler as well Jerry Galley won one freestyler and that's you know there's a there's a perfect argument for that like he, he was like out of he was like almost a fabled BMX rider. Even if you hadn't seen him, you'd heard whispers on the wind. And what was funny about um, Jerry, like Scott Dick, he uh, he he won the David Moore Award, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second. But obviously, I'm I said I'm stoked about that because I'm close to Scott. But Scott saw Jerry ride really early back in the day. We went to uh, we went to Ashford Trails when they were first running really good. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Scott took me and Alex down there to go ride trails. But Jerry, I was riding with Jerry and was friends with Jerry, so Jerry came with us. And uh, he 360 transferred one set, a big set, that nobody else was jumping in from one into another, like inches away from this tree. And like Scott said to me at that point, I've, I've seen all the big names ride and everything. I've never seen anything like that. And, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people who saw Jerry ride, even like when he would pop up at a contest, even in the later years, people hadn't seen that in the flesh before. They'd never seen somebody who could go that high on vert, was that stylish at vert, could do the best flatland tricks, was the best mini ramp rider, would go higher than everybody else on mini ramp, higher than everybody else on dirt, had all the big tricks on. Like he was just, he could do everything and he had the best style. The, like he had all those tricks that are considered the style tricks, like tables, turn downs, any of those tricks, dude, he did them awesomely. Pumped normally more than anybody else. Like he was just, he was just that that dude. And even though he didn't, he never really. Well, see, what's funny is people say that Jerry didn't come to America, but Jerry was here. A lot of people don't know Jerry was here during the quiet years when Hoffman was doing the Sprocket Jockey Tour, like three four years before. X Games and Bike Stunt Contest, Jerry was riding vert shows with Hoffman, Mirror, Miron and DMC. Like, legitimately recognised as the best dudes from that era who, like, the godfathers of all all freestyle. Mm-hmm. He was riding those vert shows with them mm-hmm. and going as high as them, doing the high air contest <coughs> with them. Like, it's... You know, a lot of people didn't hear of him in the same way because he never really came here with the X Games and stuff and, and didn't even enter the big contest sometimes in England. There was a period of time in the 90s when he was on Union and stuff and, and uh, was getting flow from a couple of people and there was money at contests and he would come and he would make money. And But, you know, he was, dude, um, you know, I, I got to see it all the time, so I'm obviously super lucky, but, yeah. Him winning, that's very cool. It's... Uh, but that, you know, that question, what I was getting at was that question between like him and Simon Tabron and someone like Phil Dolan who won the Worlds, you know, and, and got second at the X Games and Tabron with, 
you know, first person to do Pax Pack 900 and like a gang of X Games and Gravity Games medals, you know, it's it's so hard to choose between those people. Some of the other one is let's hit on them. Um, Jeff Catlow. Yeah. I, I, uh, Jeff had already been doing his thing for a long time before I actually met him. I would have met him uh, maybe the first year I went to... Uh, I mean, I would have been on the outskirts and maybe seen him at the, at the Worlds if I'd been to it beforehand or seen him at BF... I don't know about BFA comps. Seen him at the Worlds, I think, maybe in, in Cologne. Um, but first time I met him was uh, South Sea King, King of Concrete um, when I went there. I think I went there maybe 94, maybe the power light, first mm -hmm. power light year. And uh, he was cool as fuck there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was obviously, you know, when you're a young kid and you know everything about what you're doing, you you know, you obviously view them people in a kind of way, but he was uh, he was cool and was always on the side of the riders. And that and that comp, King of Concrete, was so such a tradition like for a lot of people that's I mean that's why I went even though I was still racing I was doing the ride stuff and was jumping I wanted to do the bowls contest there but yeah that contest went on for years and years and years and years and was such a tradition <coughs> and obviously E-Frame became one of the world's best flatlanders and Jeff did a lot of the uh, I remember a lot of times going to foreign countries for freestyle stuff and Jeff would be there mm -hmm. excuse me <coughs> yeah he um and for those people who, you know, the people who aren't the riders, similar to Phil Townsend and Scott, the people who aren't the riders, but who were there just as solidly as the riders who wanted to be there. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't have done it. No, and there wouldn't, yeah. have been, there wouldn't have been any kind of structure or anything. And that goes out to... Clubs. The hundreds and yeah, thousands yeah. of BMX mums and dads who, who helped from, you know, like start gate and finish line ladies like my my mum and dad started to mm -hmm. to you know running the moto sheets or doing the parking or mm -hmm. helping scrutineering or being a track marshal or you know even just taking other kids racing yeah because yeah. like i i you know i heard of a lot of that and it's uh yeah you know i mean when i when my dad stopped going my dad my dad you know told me that He'd enjoyed the years deeply that he'd gone racing, mm. but by the time I got a car, he was ready to. Yeah, my dad. I'm going to have yeah. a couple of Sundays in in yeah, bed if that's yeah. okay with you. Watch and, F1. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and I, uh, I was totally good with that. You know, I'd made my, I'd made my dad go racing probably two or three weekends a month, every month, every year for yeah. for four or five years at that point. So I was, I was good with it. But yeah, you know, without those people, without those organisers, without people. You know, putting in their own time. Phil Townsend and still out. doing it now, and that's crazy because yeah, Phil yeah. Townsend was an organizer back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil Townsend, was, years Phil Townsend was yeah. an organizer when you and me were the riders' reps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those, those of you that, who don't know, me and me and Dale were the rider reps for uh, EBA. It would have been EBA. It would have yeah. changed from. EB, a UK BMX and BMX. No, it was together. after. It was yeah, it was after that. Come when they and it yeah. was EBA. But we were the riders' reps, and Phil would be at those meetings all the time. I'm sure. Uh, 
I'm sure they didn't appreciate us at some of those oh, they meetings because we were yeah. coming. We were coming. They totally, told us to stop coming. Well, we we were coming from. We weren't coming from an organizer's point of view. We were coming from. Yeah. We want to race. Yeah. We want to race. We want. And more we'd races. been out here, so. Yeah we'd, yeah, we'd seen what it was like out here when it yeah. was it was bigger as well, and we wanted. You know, we wanted everything that was here. We wanted bigger trophies. We wanted open classes. Oh, we wanted everything. We wanted and there was no money. No, we did, <laughs> yeah. but we didn't. We didn't care or yeah. appreciate that there was no money. We wanted we just, cruiser money, dude. <laughs> open class dude, money. Everybody. We yeah. wanted the pros to get paid because we knew that that would actually make people yeah. go racing. And what's funny is, you know, back in the day, the money amounts for, especially the superclass and pro races in the winter. The money was so small. Mm -hmm. The money was kind of small to start with, but by the time BMX died, and it was like 89, 1991, mm -hmm. you were on, I think you were on Cyclecraft somewhere around there. No, I was, that well, era, 89, yeah. Blue yeah. Cyclecraft. And, uh, but like, if you earned 20 pounds big. for getting like yeah. sixth or seventh place in yeah. Superclass, that felt like earning 200 quid a week. Yeah, yeah. It was so... And I, I, that probably comes from, you know, everybody who was racing at that point was probably sick of hearing that, like, BMX is dead. You know, mm -hmm. there's no way you can earn money doing BMX. Like, so it was so nice to actually, you know, you'd get that fucking envelope with, like, a 20-pound <laughs> yeah, note yeah, in yeah. it, and you'd just be like, dude, I'm fucking pro. <laughs> 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 I mean, I remember going to couple 50-pound for first, and it wasn't easy, so it was a risk. Like, okay, it's Sunday morning, do I get up at, yeah. you know, six, Dylan's going to be there, then you got the Reedy, yeah. Flem Dog, all yeah. that crew. Jamie even showed up for some cop, like, he drove all the way from Ashford, <laughs> and it was 50 quid for first, but it was all there, and it just, like, it was a big deal. Yeah, you know, I I, I <laughs> just I don't I think there was a certain like group of riders who hungry. Well, and if there was a chance to go racing, you were probably yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I've mentioned it before, but as soon as Dave from uh, Scorpion. from Scorpion and Axo, as soon as he told me and Keith we could have petrol money, mm -hmm. like we would go stupid distances for open races. Like it wouldn't. I mean, in fact, me and Keith weren't even super class. Right. Me and Keith weren't even going to win any money. We would just go in there. Just well, a lot of the race. open races in the winter, though, it was open, right? Oh, yeah, so, like, you, you guys could, you could do some of them. Like Grimsby and stuff. Down. Yeah, that's crazy that we would go to Grimsby for <laughs> an open money race. Yeah, but Phil Townsend, you know, he would have been there then mm -hmm. and still there now. It's pretty crazy. Who else went? Oh, the Higginson family. Yeah, the the magazines and the... Uh, this is another one where, because we're in the, in the early years, some of these people are chronologically going to get their awards before... Some other people, like, you know, Mark Noble's got a good a good argument for he, you know, being that the main magazine for such a long period of time after the first big load of mags disappeared. Mm -hmm. But really, the first bigger magazines, you've got to kind of get those in mm -hmm. in first away. But I mean, they, well, there was a the transition from BMX yeah, News I mean, into BMX but, News into, yeah, into a yeah. magazine. I only BMX had a Weekly. couple of copies of OBMX, the paper. Um, I only ever really saw a copy of them before maybe Pickett's Lock. Um, Official, I think so. Yeah, there was official, like which that. kind of went into Action Bike, right. and then there was BMX News newspaper right. that turned into BMX Weekly I only, newspaper. I only saw a very few, maybe one BMX News. Like by the time I was more aware, um, Action Bike was going, BMX Action was coming across from the states because I got that in the mm -hmm. in the news agents where I was buying my paper, was doing my paper round to buy my first fucking decent BMX bike. Um, <laughs> And I remember the BMX guy and BMX bi-weekly and like the Andy Patterson cover. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it being a, like a fact that a BMX magazine was coming out every two weeks. 
and there Color. was and there was yeah. it was race footage. Like I got my first background, yeah. you know, ever photo riding in a magazine was that moto from. Uh, dude, we we thought about it. It was uh, Lee Johns's home track. Lee Johns is in the lead. Anthony Malidi's in there. Steve Greaves. I know. And me and Gary Blackpool. Wallace. Yeah. And we me, talked about this a while yeah, ago. Me yeah. and Gary Wallace are battling for the fifth place. Like that's, dude. That just shows you like how stupid the. The age of death was, mm -hmm. you know. Steve Bruce was number one at the time. And Lee European Jones, champion. Lee Johns was nineteen, ranked, and that was his local track. Anthony Malidi was eight, and he'd been to America. And me and Gary Wallace were both on. I oh, dude, I don't even think I was on Kuhara National. I think I was still wearing the same blue Strong's top that me and Tom Lynch both started racing in. Yeah. Last one. Um, Andy Ruffle joined Scott Dick with the David Moore Life Lifetime Achievement yeah, Award. Yeah, I mean, the, when you think about the. Uh, the ins and outs of uh, of the way it works. The fact that Andy didn't know if he was going to go to the awards, um, and then the fact that he was going to go late. It's like Pete said in his in his introduction speech. He's got to be in there, mm -hmm. and and realistically, there's a, there's a couple of other names who, because of whatever reason, they they declined or they're not going to come. There's a couple of other people who, as soon as they decide to come to the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned, I don't. It's not. I don't have the be all and end all decision, but as far as I'm concerned, if you know, if Craig Campbell ever comes to the Hall of Fame, and if Tim March ever comes to the Hall of Fame, you know, they're obviously they would, they would, they would be inducted. So I would imagine, same as Andy Ruffle. I mean, Tim or Craig could have their own their own award as racer or freestyler, but you know, Andy covered so much you could put him in so many different categories. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you think about so it, it makes sense Andy, in that Andy award. Could be in racer, pioneer racer. Pioneer freestyler. When you think about the three sixties and like the fact that he was the first person to do the nose pick and all that stuff, pioneer influence. Like he's, you know, he was, you know, you, it's hard to explain if you didn't live it. But like he was BMX's. You first can tell. I, I posted all the winners and their speeches and stuff. Andy Ruffles. I posted a couple of weeks ago. It's still getting traction from like people that have, you know, old Andy Ruffle fans or people that were around back then. So, well, I mean, out out of those. Yeah. Especially if you gave up early, that would be the name you would recognise. Oh, sorry, you might recognise Pete, mm -hmm. but Andy Ruffle, mm. dude, he was so famous. He had pictures of him in the sun. Yeah, yeah. Pictures he was on uh, Vernon K radio show dude, a couple months ago. Yeah, he he knew him. <laughs> he was on Superstars. Yeah, yeah. Superstars was one of the biggest programs on t on TV at that point, mm -hmm. like seven thirty on a weekday night, and it was back when you know. Sports probably obviously wasn't worth that money, so you had literally the best sports dudes in the world all competing mm -hmm. against each other doing these things, and Andy Ruffle managed to get in on that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's mental. So, yeah, 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 I mean he's he's got to go in, Andy's got to go in, same as same as you would imagine. Craig and Tim have got to go in if they if they decide they're going to come or they want it. It's um, I think did we mention all the ones? Oh, and Jane Window, obviously she uh, it was super close between her last year and uh, Sarah Jane Nichols. But you know, Sarah Jane Nichols is is almost the most successful female BMX racer of all time from England, um, and the fact that she was so dominant when she raced it was it was mm -hmm. mind blowing. Like to come from to come from last to first to win the worlds, mm -hmm. not many people can do that. Not many people. In Jane Wendell was the first national number one. That's right. That's right. And then you added up the the hotshot and yeah. the, the yeah. business side as well. Oh, so yeah, they sponsored me. Worthy. I got I, I rode for hotshot. I rode for GT under... And Hotshot's back levels. again. Yep, yep, we see that. That's cool. That's definitely cool. It's, uh, Matt Phillips is a team manager. 
Yeah, I think we covered everybody. I think we covered everybody. What I, what I did want to... Um, I mean, know, I've, ju- I've just got to say before we get away, I mean, I, I'm so... It's it's so nice for me, the fact that... And like I say, one of the main reasons I would have loved to have been there, Tom Lynch and Keith Dooley really were like friends from my age and we raced and went for all the same things, especially with with Keith and King of Dirt. Um, but Pete Middleton, you know, I've made no, no secret of it. It was... Uh, when you told me that he'd won this year, I was I was so pumped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell from his acceptance speech, if you get a chance to watch it on YouTube, you can tell how much it means to him. And, and rightfully so, man. He was he was so many people's hero back in the day when other people maybe were, were getting the spotlight a little bit more than him. He was just, dude, the consummate professional. His bike, his gear, his riding, he was just... He, always had the freshest stuff he was just you know he rode for he rode for mongoose while andy you know andy kind of would have had like a stock bike out of the box with a front brake Mm -hmm. like pete's bike weren't like that no pete Pete had his own rentful handlebars on there it was all lightweight he would have the black pro class rooms or the first silver ones like dude he was just that half the half oakley or half amy nose mask face Mm -hmm. mask he had dude he just had the best stuff. He even rode some stuff that wasn't good looking, and when he rode it, it was good looking. Mm-hmm. I think he rode one of them MDS helmets at one point. And I didn't like them, but when he rode it with his peak all up in the air, like that was ah oh, right. He's he just he just he was a lot of people's hero. So to see that and to see it mean that much to him, and, and like I've said, Scott Dick. I have I have a, a deep relationship with Scott Dick from uh, and and his kids for watching and living around them and being at all those races and going to all those Euro races together and, you know, even training Alex a little bit when he first was going superclass and when he was first on Sun. I mean, you know, Alex was on Sun, dude, like when when Sun was the, the mm-hmm. sponsorship to be on, man. Was, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to have been there because a lot of my friends uh, won well-deserved awards. It's, uh, what, I, what I want to finish on is... Um I mean, you love trivia. You you found some new... Well, we love it when we can find new trivia. Yeah, we didn't I mean, know about it. You what, found what, some yeah, two weeks ago and what, I just what, got one this what week. Get, what gets me is, is yeah. I get almost annoyed because with the BMX trivia, I, I can't remember some stuff, but I tend to remember a lot of that stuff. So if I find out something new from back then mm-hmm. that I didn't know, it's not like, oh, I must have forgot that. It's like, I know I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that then. And, yeah. and like, what's funny is the me from back then that's still alive gets annoyed. Mm-hmm. Like, how did I not know that? Right, yeah, So yeah. We, we saw a picture posted from uh, from Redditch uh, in 82. I think it was the second race there in 82. And Shelby James is there. And I was looking, thinking like, how did I not know mm-hmm. that Shelby James was there? I'd assumed that Shelby James's first dominant visit to the UK was Slough Worlds, where yeah. he turned up on profile and just destroyed everyone. Mm-hmm. But he'd already been. He'd already come yeah, over yeah, yeah. Redditch. And you said you checked the results. No, I checked uh, the BMX Weekly newspaper has got um, a few articles on, on uh, the Anglo-American over those two wow. years. And there is, yeah, there is, I, I think, I'd have to go back and check, I think Fraser Campbell got second behind it. It's funny because yeah. a lot of a lot yeah. of stars who even were on the end of their career, mm-hmm. um, they were there. Greg Esser was there. Mm-hmm. John Pyant was there. John Pyant still kept doing good. He won one of the, uh, the ESPN yeah, rounds yeah. the year after. Pyant was there. I think he just got in the US Hall of Fame or his last couple of years. I think uh, he did, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Deser- deservedly so, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to see those pictures of those dudes and Harry Deary and... Uh, 
Tim March in the background because Tim Tim beat Harry Lear and Greg Esser at that uh, mm-hmm. at that race. But yeah, I never knew that Shelby James came over for that. But you 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 connected to Just that. Just yeah. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I, I I'd read that. I didn't know he was there, but there wasn't any pictures of him racing. I think it was just a couple of him, like that one that you saw of just mm. kind of hanging out in the pits. My new trivia that I was pretty stoked. I you know asked you and Bobby Hyde first. Do you, can you confirm this? So I was looking through the USA BMX archives. They've got great archives from every year, every national, going right back to the seventies. So I was looking at the nineteen eighty one uh, Kuara Grand Nationals, and I saw a picture of a guy in a Kawara top with a big number one on his plate, chilling, and it's a nice photo and stuff. And I'm like, I messaged Gork first before I messaged you. I was like, is this a US guy who, you know, I, I think I knew what it was, but I want yeah, to see what yeah. Gork said first. And then in the meantime, I, I sent it to you and Bobby and uh, I got out some other photos of him as well. And, and it confirmed it was actually Nicky Matthews. Yeah. And so we think, I think you kind of, we couldn't think of anybody else today. And, uh, I, you know what I think? And I had, a, I had a think about it. So I think the only other rider who might have gone on that trip mm-hmm. was Tony Slater. And the reason I think that is because... Which is the 81 Grands, US yeah, Grands. And I think that would have been the, the you know the first people pretty much to go... I think because Nicky got national number one in England on Kawara in 81 and 82. I think Nicky would have got number one in the UK that year on Kawara, the first official year. And that would have been his present. And that would have been his present because it is sponsored by Kawara. See, for, the, yeah, so yeah. for anybody who, <laughs> like, like a lot of people won't know this, but Gecko distributed uh, Redline, Red Kuahara, Nashiki, and, but I think they also had like a Raya, they had mm. a bunch of the good parts. They were a real big distributor and they got in real early. Yeah. But like, Nicky Matthews and Tony Slater turned up at Earl's Court one year mm-hmm. in a limousine, <laughs> dressed in suits with like proper shoes and shit on, and they came into the arena like that. It was a big deal. Like Gecko, Gecko N- had some money. Nicky went to the Jag World Champs as well. I'm pretty sure. I'm thinking it would have been a little bit too early for him to send Stu because I was going to ask Stu. But '81, um, Stu was on Redline, which was still right. So Stu, yeah. Stu went. After his first... 82, 83. I think after There's his a picture of him with his shorts one. on. Because Stu got on the team right at the end of the change of the jerseys. There's pictures of Stu racing with the dark jersey on that Nicky Matthews used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went out there. I think that would have been after the Worlds. I think it would have been after 83, maybe. After the Worlds in Slughoran. Mm-hmm. Because Stu came back with, like... The Galindo bars, yeah, the same yeah. as Clint Miller and Gary Ellis. Um, sorry. Um, but yeah, the early trips, I think, I've got a feeling, and you, we would have to ask around, but I think those early trips were Gecko, and it, it was Kuhar, and I think if anybody went with Nicky, it would have been Tony Slater. And I, I've got a... I've got a weird memory of, of Tony Slater going to the US. I think people went to the US before then. Keith Wilson and I think yep, Alan Woods yep, went to yep. the Pontiac thing. Yeah. Ruffle went but there. I think the Grands. The Grands, the, I yeah. think. So my, my title I, I'm giving, if anybody can confirm anything different, listening to this, Nicky Matthews is the first British rider to race the US Grands. Yeah. You know, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So I'll put that picture with this yeah. with this uh, it's podcast. Funny. We, we got onto the we got onto the subject of racing before racing as well before this where Everybody probably, unless your first spot was your local BMX track with a gate and everything and like a setup, probably you had somewhere in the woods or somewhere where you found that kids would make like a little racetrack out of. Now, 
what eventually became Pinner Trails was Hayden Hall, and kids were riding bikes there even before BMXs. Choppers, I rode my grifter there with my dad and stuff. Um, but there was like an obvious line of a track there where you would you would start where everybody sat on the field to start with. You'd go down past where the big jump used to be. Then there was you'd go around the top of the bowl. So you'd go around. We were so lucky with Pinner the way it had been built, like in that natural bowl there. Mm-hmm. So much to ride. So you'd race around there, then you'd come back over and across the top bit and over the hip jump the wrong way and finish at the same place you'd started. Um, and I noticed, even though I was I was crap when I first started racing BMX, <laughs> anybody who came there, when we had the races there, because I had local knowledge, I could beat almost anyone there. Mm-hmm. The only people I would have trouble beating there would be uh, Craig Morris, Ian Ruby and Jeff Bommett. Everybody else, especially like even the older people who would come and check it out when there was a race at Hayes or something, I could beat most of them people. You could go inside on the first turn because there was a little thing. Mm-hmm. And then later on, me and Keith and Bobby used to ride at Dormers Wells all the time, which didn't even have a gate. Westway, which we talked about earlier, had a six-man gate. I, I think the only one I ever saw. But it was they just didn't have any room there because it was squeezing under the... Pontins with a six-man gate, I think. When it started, Pontins was six months. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I, everybody seems to have like a track or thing that they made. Mm-hmm. And Dale was saying as well, at those places there was normally like a local hot shoe, who maybe never actually went. No, racing. never raced. Yeah, yeah. There was I could name two. I see because I see him a little bit older than me on school. I see him mm. on Facebook, and we had two. We had a track that was right next to my house, which I dug. Um, in Losco, the village where I where I lived, and then my local town, which is Hina, which is between where I live and, and Geth, is a town called Hina, where Jamie Beswick spent time there as well, after Alfreton. Uh, there was a Hina BMX track, and I remember, I was already just about racing and stuff, but there was three or four dudes at school. We would race at night, like everybody's got that story, you know, emulating the Kellogg's and stuff. Um, but there was two or three guys from school that could absolutely smoke me and they never raced, you know? (laughs) So I'm sure a lot of people have got that same story, Mm. you know, where we learned how, you know, how to pass, just just the racing every night, or where we learned our trade. There was so many of those local kids that never actually raced, you know? I mean, I'm I'm a great believer in in a couple of things. If If you're not the greatest racer to start with, I think if you keep going, by the time you get to 18, 19, and everyone's power levels kind of mm-hmm. somewhat simmer out, if you've been in the pack mm-hmm. for the last five years, battling mm-hmm. elbows, and learned how to come through the pack, it stands you in very good stead for pro. Yeah. Because everybody's fast when you get there. Maybe at some point that's a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. About I, th- bit, I think yeah. you find a lot of like the perennial winners in amateur, A, because they've won it all and they don't have the drive, but they're not used to being in a pack. No. They're not used to the elbows. They're used to just whole shot and gone title. Thank you. It's, uh, so I, I think it stands you in, in good stead. And I think the other thing is racing a lot. I, I think that... Uh, I mean, I with those I, little tracks, we raced every night. Yeah, and I do, I do realise for Supercross and whatever, there's uh, it's a little bit different and the risks of going down the big hill and doing that stuff. But I think racing as much as you can I mean, I'm sure we overtrained when we were kids, but I still think that racing as much as you can, mm-hmm. especially when you're young and coming up before you're 16, mm-hmm. as much as you can. There's no, there's nothing that can weigh against experience like that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, no. you know, the, I, I, I semi-understand the pros that once you get to the Olympic level where you're trying to peak for certain races and you have to 
qualify from certain races, but to then not race anything else at that point and that be there with the only races that you do, I don't think that's uh I don't think that's a good way of keeping your sword sharp. No. You know, even if it's just messing around with people who aren't as fast as you and still you know, learning those high lows, learning yeah. to hide. I mean, that's what we all learned at these local tracks. Let's say we had Losco, then I had Hina, and then a couple of years later, we had the track at Ilkeston where mm-hmm. Geth and, and... And with your friends yeah. who are willing to, like, you know, bash we would, you up. We would do the Kellogg, so yeah. I would always start at the back, and then you'd try and pick people off. And, and you'd, I, you'd learn, yeah. you'd learn, yeah, yeah. you'd learn tricks that you wouldn't necessarily guess, like hiding behind somebody in a turn mm-hmm. so somebody can't go inside you. Yeah. Like if you're second and you know the guy in third's thinking of, of dive bombing you, mm-hmm. if you're close enough behind the first guy, yeah, yeah. just on his outside, yeah, he's checking, yeah. they can't get you because yeah. they're going to have to hit the other guy. Yeah. Like you learn so much. And I and I, I found that when I got into the the bigger age groups and even because I wasn't that powerful even in 17 plus, like that ability to pick your way through a pack, especially in quarters and semis, mm-hmm. Like that was priceless for me, and then taking that into pro and being bashed around by like, you know, Flemdog and Reedy and all those people that would have been mm. where I was battling for those those positions. Like stood me in good good stead. But yeah, I mean, everybody has those stories where you probably had like a a local local trail like uh, like Simon A's rolling uh, at Sheen Common. Yeah, like I know he good had picture, that little yeah. jumping ground and. You know, all the guys around me were at Pinner or Pinner Dingles. It's uh... another good thing I think we could talk about at some point would be uh, guys that have kind of been overshadowed or overlooked. We don't talk about like during all this couple of years of Hall of Fame, we haven't really even spoke much about Ian Sharp. We don't need to do it now, but like people yeah. like him, you know, that mm-hmm. actually were really good, won a lot of stuff, but just kind of I mean, some you, reason not spoke about much. You know, I I think the only reason somebody like when you when you consider that group of uh, Ian Sharp. Tony Fleming, Richard Barrett, all Richard those guys, Barrett, yeah, Darren O'Neill, yeah, like all those guys. You've got to remember by those time, by the time those guys got to pro or superclass or elite or whatever the top level was by oh, then, mm-hmm. you had three of four England's all-time all-timers who normally had the podium. But they still, you know, Ian Sharp won the of British course, champs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that shows you how good yeah. they are. But the only reason that they never really maybe shined with the fact that by the time they were the top dudes they were racing you almost at your peak Jamie Staff almost at his peak Mm -hmm. Dylan at his peak Mm -hmm. Neil you know before he left you would have been racing all of those people all the time and that crew of dudes Mm -hmm. all together trying to to shine above it Scott Belmont and the guys coming up and I mean I, I, I was lucky enough to to race in that era, and I mean that's that's realistically that's one of my my proudest achievements was the fact that I made pro mains in an era when those dudes were the dudes who were battling to get in. Like when like those 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 first three mains of the year that I made in ninety five, you know it's you, Jamie, Dylan, Flemdog, Revel, Ian Sharp, Revel. Like Revel should have been higher, but you know it's like so you've got like then you've got me Scott Beaumont Darren O'Neill uh, Ross at some point coming up Kai Forty right yeah all those people battling yeah. to try and make that last fucking mm-hmm. those last couple of spots to make it in so yeah, it's yeah. you know you, you take those people because you know well save it let's let's chat about more about that 
let's I yeah, think that's, definitely. An, that's another I just, little podcast I, I, I think yeah. we need to yeah. identify some more of those I mean, guys it, that it, probably, it's good, it's good yeah. that while we're talking about the Hall of Fame that yeah. the people who were there would have realised but some of these names that we mentioned where you don't maybe recognise them like, like the likes of Ian Sharp Dude, those guys were so so fast, mm -hmm. like and like legit fast, like Europeans level fast. Oh yeah, would go and could make European mates. Yeah, like and that's you know it's the only reason that they don't get they didn't get crazy magazine coverage or crazy titles no. or whatever is because they had to go against you and Jamie and Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think Ian Sharp's a good guy to dive into his history a little bit. So yeah, we'll do that. Fast, All right, Paul, dude. let's uh, let's get out of here. It's getting hot in this van. Sorry, I couldn't be at Hall of Fame, everyone. I. Uh, but his voice was. Yeah, and it was yeah. ever so. It was ever so cool watching everybody's speeches on the, uh, on YouTube. I'll uh, hopefully I'll get to be there next year. Yeah, and if you haven't checked him out, it's on British BMX Hall of Fame YouTube, and obviously we've posted a lot of stuff on the uh, same Instagram and obviously on Facebook. YouTube, yeah. that, that YouTube of the whole award ceremony is cool. A lot of cool people giving a lot of cool uh, award speeches. All right, cheers, everybody. Late. See ya.